Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. All right, guys, in keeping with the highly professional tone of the snooze button, today's episode is being recorded with the backdrop of someone vacuuming. Um, I don't want someone to be vacuuming while I record this, but she's been vacuuming for a, a long time. I don't know when she's going to stop, and like, I need to get this show on the road. I know those of you loyal fans, um, fans feels really, <laughs> that's a stretch, loyal listeners um, who subscribe to this news button, I know you've like already downloaded it and like looked today to see if there's a new episode, and so I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer. So it is what it is. Um, today, we're going to be talking all about night nurses and nannies. So... I wanted to talk about this, of course, like as it pertains to sleep um, and just some other like tidbits and words of wisdom from an old pro, um, because these things come up all the time with clients, all the time. You know, everything I tell you guys in these podcast episodes, like I put together what I speak about because it's the things you guys bring to me. It's the questions I get. It's the concerns I have, all of that. So we're going to talk about it as it pertains to, to sleep. I'm going to break it down first, talk about night nurses and then nannies. So I will say at a high level for both of these professions, you're going to come across the full spectrum, right? I've heard stories of nannies and night nurses who were life-changing to people in many ways. And I've also heard stories that are pretty mind-blowing in how bad they are. And with night nurses specifically, sometimes just really dangerous and weird stuff. So I think... have that in the back of your head as you're listening to what I say. And I will also say too that people have really strong opinions about night nurses and nannies. And at the end of the day, it's your job as a parent to gather the information from sources that you find credible and then make the decision that's best for your family. So what I'm telling you is partially professional information, partially my personal opinion, and then partially factual things like, you know, safe sleep, etc. Okay, so let's just start there. All right, so let's dive into night nurses first. So here's one thing you should know about night nurses. There's no governing body for this group of people. Anyone can become a night nurse, right? I can just say I'm a night nurse. Yes, there are certain credentials they can have. Are they CPR certified? Um, you know, maybe they have some other training in, in newborn care. But like, there isn't like a guy who gives you a license and says you are a night nurse. So, and I do think that's important because it is different than if you were, you know, searching for a therapist or something and like they have a license that says, you know, I have a master's in social work or whatever. Okay. Um, I either think, I, wow, per usual, I can't speak. Um, the other thing I think is really important to understand about the role of a night nurse. The role of a night nurse is to give you a break as a parent. They're supposed to make sure, you guys, this is like insane. They are supposed, I also am really bad at editing my podcasts. So if you guys can't tell, every time I record these, it's just like one long riff. Like I think if you have a podcast through like Sirius XM, they have like a staff of people who are editing and they're like, you blundered that word. We're taking that out. Not here. This is just, it's like we're basically just sitting in my basement talking shit together about night nurses. I'm kidding. We're not talking shit about them. But you know what I mean? So like, it is what it is. Um, They're there to support you as the parent in getting rest, getting a break from newborn life so that you can sleep. And yes, of course, they're supposed to make sure that the baby is like fed and okay and alive and taken care of. But they're not there to support your baby learning to sleep. To be clear, 
that doesn't mean they won't do that or can't do that, but that is not the role of a night nurse. Like, you shouldn't be going into the night nurse realm with the goal of, like, this person's going to sleep train my baby. Again, they are sometimes able to do that or willing to do it, and it might work for you, but that's not, like, their foremost goal. And I do think that's confusing to parents because I will often have clients come to me that are like, we're coming to you because we hired a night nurse, but our baby still isn't sleeping through the night. And I'm like, yeah, that's not their job. Like, that's my job. My job is to help you with that. So just have that, you know, in your head as you're going through this. So there's another kind of like new thing that's emerged called a night doula that you might have heard of as well. So a doula, much like a night nurse, but just in a different way, like they're they're really working for you. Like from my perspective, a nanny, like obviously, yeah, the parents are hiring them, but the nanny is working with the children. Like their goal is, you know, they're taking care of the children. They have like goals for them. They are maybe like helping them learn things. They are managing their day to day. Whereas a night nurse or a doula is really just to support like the mom getting a break. So a daytime doula... Um, is somebody who maybe is cooking for you or they are like they could be taking the baby for you they could just be comforting you like making you some soup right they're really there to like to support your postpartum recovery and you can expect something similar at night they might be taking on a larger role if they're a night doula than just like sitting next to the baby in the room while they sleep and like giving them a bottle if they wake up so I think understanding those distinctions distinctions excuse me is important when you're interviewing night nurses if you decide to go with one, make sure it comes from a trusted source. I personally, you know, I know like we all, these Facebook groups, I'm sure some of you are in like mom friends of friends and things like that. And people post about night nurses all the time. I I think if I was hiring one, I wouldn't go with like a stranger on the internet. I'm sure like Christine from Rye is great and she has a great night nurse, but I would I would work with someone that you know the person personally who has used them and that you really take the time to vet your references. I think that's really, really important. Um, one thing I just skipped over that I probably should mention as well is you might be thinking through, like, why would I hire a night nurse versus not? And, like, what's the what are the pros and cons? Again, this is the type of thing that, like, you could get a million different opinions about. I think if you are someone who is not super type A and doesn't necessarily like need to be in control all the time of what's going on with your baby. Sleep is very valuable to you and you are the type of person that like if you don't get rest, you're really really not going to be okay. Not like you're going to be exhausted and you'll get through the newborn phase, but like maybe there's some other stuff going on um you know underlying like health things and like you very much need sleep. And also I will say too if your baby your newborn is formula fed, like it's even more a little bit of an incentive because for me it's kind of like if you're breastfeeding you have to get up anyway and feed them. So you're still getting up at night. Yes, maybe it's just like they bring you the baby, you nurse and you go back to sleep. And maybe for some people that's fine. But for me, like if you, if your newborn isn't super fussy and hard to put down, like you're basically paying someone a butt ton of money to like hand you the baby when you could have just gotten the baby out of the bassinet yourself. So, you know, it's a consideration. Um, and I think, too, it's it's a temperament thing and it's a control thing. And this isn't a bad thing. I, as you guys can obviously imagine, am very controlling in those early weeks and months. I know exactly what I'm doing. I, like, know what I'm looking for, even with my first. You know, I was very confident but also, like, really wanted to be involved in all of those things. So the idea that I would go to sleep and, like, somebody else is with my baby in another room and is, like, deciding when they need to eat or how they should be put down or how the swaddle should be like I was so 
that's so far from anything I would ever do, right? But I think for a lot of families, it's really helpful. And getting that extra rest in those early weeks is really important. So it's not a right or wrong. I think it's think through your temperament. Okay, fast forwarding to where I was before. Interviewing, making sure we're coming from a trusted resource, vet your references. Please, please, please. When you were interviewing night nurses, ask them about safe sleep. Ask them about taking care of babies, how do they swaddle? What should be in a baby's crib? I would say this is, and I'm not trying to be like scary, fear-mongering, scaring anyone, but I think the most common like thing I've heard that has concerned me when people have talked to me about night nurses is, like I said, there's no regulating body. There's no, you know, there's no like compliance they need to follow. And a lot of times they're older and, you know, things were done very differently 30 years ago, safety-wise, than they are now. And not everyone has like adapted to those changes and the new information we have to keep babies safe. So I've heard things like um, triple swaddling, super unsafe. Um, I've heard of night nurses like sleeping while holding the baby, obviously super unsafe. And even just like some really crazy weird stuff like, oh, you should put um, like socks filled with rice on either side of the baby because it helps them feel like there's a hand on their chest or something or like putting blankets over them and just all sorts of things. It's really, really dangerous. Um, So much so that I actually had a client once text me a picture being like, this is what our night nurse just did. What should I do? And I was like, fire her. Like, I I usually don't say things like that. But like, when it comes to safety, if, if you're hiring someone and literally entrusting them with your baby and they're doing something that's unsafe, like that's just a, such a hard line for me. So I think let's avoid those things before they even begin and just make sure you have a conversation about that. And then beyond safe sleep, think through, you know, what you want them to do while your baby's sleeping. So is it like if you do have a schedule, if you're thinking like, um, you know, I'm to be feeding them every three hours, um, please don't feed them more than like, you know, every two hours and 45 minutes or something. You set some sort of metric. Um, are they willing to follow that? Or are they like, no, if your baby wakes up, I'm going to feed them, right? You want to like have that conversation. Um, that's really important. And, you know, ask them what they're going to do when the baby's asleep. Like, do you sleep? Like, what are your expectations for what you're going to be doing? All that kind of stuff. And then please do have a contract, Make sure you have a contract with them, exactly what the expectations are, and read through it. Like, read through the fine print. What happens if they come night one and you were like, never mind, this is a disaster, I want you to go home? Or do you owe them the next two weeks of pay if they were going to come every night? Um, Is there, you know, a discount if you do a full 12 hours versus, you know, six hours overnight or if you do five days in a row, right? Like make sure you talk through all of those things and really understand what's going to be happening. And I think a lot of this stuff, more so even when we we jump into nannies in a minute, but so much of this is about like just a feeling you get. Like they're going to be in your house a lot, like many hours. Um, They're going to be there overnight while you're sleeping. So you have to have like good juju with this person, you know, like they're going to be with your newborn while you're asleep in your house. Like you have to like them. Um, I think that's really important. What I will say closing, in closing with night nurse conversation here, if they arrive at your house after your baby is born, you were in the throes of postpartum, you know, hormones raging, you've just met your new baby, and they come and you panic and you do not want to let go of your baby, or they come and you're fine with that piece of it, but they start doing something that's freaking you out, making you uncomfortable, you tell them to leave right then and there. This is your baby. This is your home. And I say this only because I've heard of it happening a lot. 
a lot, a lot, a lot, where people get home and they were like, never mind. I thought I was going to want a night nurse. I don't. I'm really uncomfortable with this. I don't like her. This isn't a good fit. Then tell them to leave. I don't care if it is you're going to have to pay them for the next month. That is a sunk cost. You've already agreed to that payment and this is your child and you need to do what you're comfortable with and you don't need to feel bad about it because first of all, it happens all the time, but you just don't need to feel bad. That's your choice. And hopefully, you know, you kind of go through this process, you vet them well, and it it turns out it is a good experience. So I'd asked you guys last night on Instagram, because um, somebody, I, I had put up a question box, if you guys had questions about night nurses and nannies, um, and one of the questions was about the cost between both of them. Like, what is the cost in different parts of the country? Um, and you guys really came through. The Part of the reason it took me so long today to get this recorded is because I was trying to write down, I made a spreadsheet with everything you guys told me about how much these positions cost in your city. And it was, um, some of it was surprising, some of it I very much knew, but I'm going to walk you guys through it quickly. And I'm also going to do, I think I'm going to do a reel about the night nurses and about nannies that has all of the averages for cost. So you guys have something like tangible you can look at and hold on to for a point of reference. Um, Here's what might surprise you if you're in the thick of the night nurse world, you already know this, but the cheapest way to get a night nurse if you are in a major metropolitan area, especially in California, if you're in LA or San Francisco, is to fly them from New York City. It is like a market in New York. There are tons of them. The vast majority, I don't want to say the majority of moms use one, but like it's a it's very much a thing. Um, and they're significantly cheaper than if you get one here in California. So I'm saying that to my California people, cost-wise, always cheapest to fly them from New York. So other key takeaways bulk order bulk ordering sounds ridiculous it's like a human being um but booking i should say bulk booking um like 12 hours at a time 24 hours at a time and especially longer stays right like a week two weeks definitely defrays the cost and it can be as little as 12 dollars an hour if you have a 24-hour shift in new york city right and then we go up the full spectrum to something which is as much as about 55 dollars an hour for a night doula in san francisco so in terms of you know if you're not flying someone in and again new york city is probably the cheapest place um, to get a night nurse i will give you some of the the averages by major markets so california obviously not the cheapest place to be. So if you're in San Francisco, you're looking at about 40 to $55 an hour for a night nurse in LA and Washington, DC, it's about 35 to $45 an hour. And then if you're in markets like Connecticut, Chicago, Boston, you're looking at about 25 to $35 an hour. And then even less in markets such as Alabama or North Carolina, which are more on par with the New York City um, night nurses. So that gives you kind of the range, like on the very low end, you're looking at less than $25 an hour. And this is all if it's not, I don't know why I keep wanting to say bulk, if it's not, you know, a, um, you know, you're, you're booking them for several weeks. If we're talking about like a night or two, that's what, these are the costs for it's like a night, right? So it's going to be cheaper even for places like San Francisco where it's 40 to 55 at the high end. Um, that's really if you're getting them for a night or two. So if you are going to be booking them for a longer period, it will be cheaper than that. Um, so I'm listing out as well here because I want to make sure I don't ramble on too much for this episode. Um, I'm just going to do one question per section, one question for night nurses, one section for nannies. So Jen said, how does a night nurse manage twins? Does one parent still have to help? Um, I think this is a personal discussion between the family and the night nurse. I think 
if it was me, I, I would like probably want to be up and be helping and trying to manage things. But optically speaking, like one person can manage twins and feed them at a time. So I don't think that's a requirement necessarily, especially in like the very, very young newborn stage where I'm less inclined to say they have to eat at exactly the same time because they're just eating so much anyway. During the day, maybe you're focusing on that, but I could easily see a night nurse being able to feed one. The next one's up 20 minutes later, they feed them, then they're both asleep for a few hours, that type of thing. Um, But again, I think that's a conversation each night nurse would have with the family. And I would also guess that they, because I'm not a mom of twins, I can't tell you for sure, but I would guess that they have sort of protocol they follow. Like if it's twins, this is what I do. Here's my expectation for someone, you know, joining me, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's jump into nannies. I'm passionate about this because I spend, it's like poop. One of the things I didn't think I'd end up spending a ton of time talking about in my job, but turns out I do. So same as with night nurses in the sense that there's no governing body, anybody can become one, and you will get the full spectrum of absolutely incredible part of your family to what a nightmare, I hope I never see her again, right? Maybe this just is the case for every job, I think, right? What's most important here is even more so for sure than a night nurse that is in your house when you're mainly sleeping and it's for a short period of time. It is really, really important that you have a good relationship with this person because they are living and breathing your full life. You and your partner get in a fight, they can hear it. You have a breakdown because something bad happened at work, they see it. One of your kids is going through like uh, some sort of struggle, they're handling it, right? Like this person really is a part of your family. I mean, we are nanny. I do consider a part of our family. I consider her one of the people raising our kids, if essentially, and she's very special to me and I care about her. And, you know, that's your, if you have a full-time nanny, that's, that's how it's going to be. Um, so it's really important that this is something you take the time to select someone that really is going to fit into your family. Um, and then when you're looking at the references and the referrals you get, I think it's really important to know the personality and the parenting style of the people that are referring their nanny to you. And I do think that's the best way to find one is to go through, whether it's, you know, you do it, you're looking online, like something like Nextdoor or from your preschool or whatever, like you're finding, you're finding the nanny. Um, Talk to the person or the people that either are their references or the person that just referred you and find out what was important to them when they were looking for a nanny and how the person fulfilled that obligation. Because the reason I think this is so important, let's say for instance, you're, and I'm actually using a real example of a friend of mine and she found her nanny through a neighbor. So this neighbor was like, just a little bit funky, very different from my friend. Like my friend works full time, this person did not, um, and was kind of just like, go with the flow, whatever, like kind of like a crunchy granola mom, whereas my friend is more of like a type A, just it's a very different vibe, right? And this neighbor had been like, our nanny is incredible, you know, was like totally talking her up um, enough to the point that my friend was like, okay, let's hire her. This is great. Here's the problem. The neighbor was the type of parent who was looking for a nanny who they could just kind of hand over the baby and say like, you've been doing this forever. I need help. I'm kind of in, in over my head here and, and I you know, need someone to kind of help me through this process. My friend was like, I know what I'm doing and I want someone to follow what I say. So you can imagine things did not go well for her having the type of nanny who whose ideal client was somebody who would just hand her a baby and let her do whatever she wanted. So 
it's really, really important that if something like a schedule or, um, you know, what they eat or whatever the things are that are important to you, that the person you're hiring is aligned with what you're looking for. Like I said, the vibe and the fit is really important. It might not be something they say when you're interviewing them, but it's a feeling you get, you know? Like I will remember, I will remember, I do remember when we were initially looking for our nanny, the first woman I spoke with, um, she seemed fine, like no red flags in terms, she seemed nice, like she was answering the questions well. But I asked her at the end, like, what questions do you have for me? Um, Do you want to meet the kids, whatever? And she's like, oh, it's okay. No, I don't have any questions. And I was kind of like, you don't even want to like see them or like, or I think maybe they were in the room, but she like didn't ask how old they were. Um, she had no questions for me at all, like nothing. If you are interviewing and you have no questions, red flag. If you don't have, if you don't want to know about the children or talk to them, like red flag, right? So it didn't matter to me that she seemed nice and like had all the credentials I was looking for. My gut instinct just said, this is somebody who needs a new nanny position and she doesn't really care who it is or where it is or why she just like wants the hours and that is not the kind of person we were looking for so there's a few different like categories i would think through when you're hiring a nanny and you're going through this interview process to ask one is i would think through beforehand what's really important to you so you can discuss it with them so first you want to just get to know them and ask things like you know how long have you been doing this what are the ages of the kids you've worked for like how long did you work for them like is this somebody like I remember seeing when we hired our nanny who is fabulous Tita that she had only worked for I think four other families but all of them she had worked for between like seven or eleven years like she clearly was a part of these people's family like they you know hired her when they had a baby and she stayed until the kids were in school as they had more kids and I really liked that I liked hearing about you know she told me about how she was like at a stoplight and like saw uh, a girl that she had like you know taken care of when from when she was a baby had finally gotten her driver's license and she like leaned out the window was like Tita and, and she was like shocked the girl was 16 you know nice things like that it was like I got a really good vibe from asking those questions um I also like to ask questions like, how have you handled a misunderstanding or a conflict in the past with an employer? Like, can you tell me about a time when you were in an emergency and how you handled it? You want to know how the how they communicate. And it doesn't even, and I'm not saying this, I don't know, you guys know I feel like I always have to give a caveat for everything, but like, let's just assume they don't speak perfect English. I don't think that in itself is like a huge deal, but you need to be able to communicate with them. So if you don't speak any of the language they speak and their English is not good enough that you feel like you could say something like, he didn't really have any solids yesterday and I'm kind of worried. Like, can you make sure you give him, try new, this new pouch and like maybe cut up some blah, blah, blah for him. If you feel like you couldn't say those things and feel confident that they understood it, that's a red flag, right? So you want to be able to ask them somewhat complex questions and have them be able to answer like, how did you handle a misunderstanding? Things like that. And then just as importantly, I had mentioned a minute ago, like thinking through ahead of time what's important to you and communicating that. So if you are interested in the nanny doing things like following a schedule, you have a baby or a toddler who's on a schedule, you want them to potentially drive. Like these are things that I'm going to mention now that maybe you don't need right now, but down the road. If you have a baby and you want this person to become your full-time nanny potentially for several years, they are eventually going to be in preschool. If you work full time, who's going to take them to preschool? It matters to you if they can drive, right? You don't want to hire someone and find out in two years they don't drive. So do will they drive? Do they do any type of housework, cooking, the baby's laundry, things like that? Because 
whether your baby is napping or they become older and they start going to part-time preschool or anything like that, no matter what, there's going to be breaks in the day where your nanny doesn't have the child physically with them. So what do you, what is your expectation for what they're going to do during that time, right? And being very clear about what you want. Like for our family, when we were hiring, I by no means needed someone to be like scrubbing toilets, but I knew there would be these periods of downtime. And I just wanted someone who could help with small things. I was like, are you willing to do something like unload the dishwasher, take the recycling outside, like tidy up the kitchen, you know, from like what she had been doing with the kids? Totally fine with it. Some nannies will tell you no. They will say, I will not do the kids' laundry. I will not make their bed. I will not unload the dishwasher. I will not do any cooking, right? So, and maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe you don't have a full-time job and you actually like doing those things. Great. But make sure you clarify it. Um, Are they willing to stay overnight ever? Maybe you're pregnant with another child and you're like, when the baby comes and there's an emergency, could they stay overnight if I had to go to the hospital? Are they willing to travel with you? Maybe you have a vacation home. Would they come with you and like take care of the kids on a trip? What is their expectation around sick days and vacation? Um, Most full-time nannies expect two weeks paid vacation and potentially sick days, major holidays, whatever. So think through those things. If there are things that are true non-negotiables to you, be upfront about them. I think it can be easy in the hiring process to kind of like meet someone, think they're great, get a really good vibe, and then kind of like skirt past these other things. Trust me, you don't want to do that. You don't want to find out in six months that you forgot to ask if they travel and you guys go away for two months every summer to grandma's and you had been expecting they would come with you and you just found out they won't. That's going to be a problem, right? Um, And ask them if they have any non-negotiables. What I actually really appreciated about Tita, our nannies, when I asked that, her one thing is she really doesn't like driving on the freeway with kids. She, and I liked her reasoning. She's like, they are just so precious, these children to me. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't want to take them on the freeway. And I was like, that's fine. We have no reason. You know, the kids' orbit is very close to our home. I can't foresee a circumstance where she would really need to take them on the 405. <laughs> like, I try to avoid the 405. Um, and I appreciated that she told me what her non-negotiable was, right? I want her to be honest with me too. And it was something I was fine with. Um, Be very clear. If your baby is on a schedule or you are pregnant and you want your baby to be on a schedule, tell them that. Say, I take sleep very seriously. I take their feeding schedule very seriously. I know what I want in that department. Are you willing to follow my schedule and my, you know, directions about, even if it's not sleep, if it's something else, you know, our family is vegetarian, And it's really important to us that our kids are vegetarian. Are you willing to follow this? Or whatever the thing is, we are, you know, we are, we're kosher. Like, it's really important to us that everything in the house is kosher. If you bring food in, are you willing to make sure, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what the things are. It's your life. If they are like, oh, especially with things like sleep and food, I think a nannies I have found tend to fall into two camps. The ones who are like, absolutely, like, I just need you to be clear with me about what you need or what you want, and I will follow it. And others are a little bit of the like, okay, mama, I've been doing this for 30 years, like step aside. And I did interview one nanny where I got that vibe. And I, it was like, I couldn't have gotten her out the door faster. I don't need anyone to be condescending to me. I don't need anyone to think they know better. It doesn't matter if if somebody's been doing something for 50 years. This is your child. Okay, it's your child and it is up to you to make the decisions for them. And again, being really, really clear up front about what your expectations and needs are in that area will cut back on so much headache later on. I cannot tell you guys 
how many friends and clients and just people in my orbit have these like really frustrating, difficult situations with nannies that they and I think in retrospect, like, there goes the vacuum. <laughs> great episode, Brittany, great episode. Um, that in retrospect, it's like, if I had just been clear about this up front, if I had known that this was going to happen, you know, we'd be, we would never would have hired them. I just didn't know to ask that question, or I, I wasn't as clear as I should have been, right? Uh, what is that phrase? Um, to be clear is to be kind, right? I can't remember, Benny Brown, somebody says it. To be clear is to be kind. So be very clear. Um, and I think I mentioned this before, but yeah, like asking them how they've handled disagreements with families in the past, it's going to be a gut feeling, okay? Um, don't shortchange the process. It's going to be way harder six months later to be like, this has been a bad fit. What I would suggest you do if you find a nanny that you love and you're like, I think this is the one I've asked all the questions, like we're good, ask to do a one-week trial and observe them, not in a creepy way with binoculars, but like see how your child interacts with them. You know, I think that's really important. And then be really clear in that week, like walk them through all of the things you're going to want them to do and see how they follow them. So if you have a, you know, a six month old baby and you're like, okay, so here's how we put her down. We put her in the sleep sack. You do not need to rock her. Please don't rock her. She goes down awake. Her nap is at, you know, 9 a.m. or something. And then her next nap is at one o'clock. I'm just like making these up. Um, pay attention to that in during that trial week when does she put her down if you say the nap is at nine is she going into the room a few minutes before nine and putting her down or are they out at the park and it's 9 15 and you're texting her where are you if you have to text the nanny in that first week and ask where she is and she's not back to put baby down for their nap it we're not moving forward right like she's not she doesn't get it she maybe it's a misunderstanding Maybe it's not how she's worked in the past, but she's not following the directions that you said. Um, so I think that piece is really important. And any of those like ancillary things I mentioned, like, you know, if for, I was saying for my family, we thought, you know, what are some things that are related to the kids that she could do to help out when there's downtime? So if you tell her to do those things, does she do them? And if there is something that you need to correct, for instance, I remember very early on with our nanny, if the kids had like dirty clothes, like they'd been playing at the playground and they got really muddy, she would fold all the clothes nicely and like put them in this pile on this like bench in our house. And after like a week or two, I was like, hey, if their clothes are dirty after the park, can you just put them in the washing machine? You don't need to run it. Just like drop them in there. And she was like, sure. Okay. And guess what she's done ever since? She puts them in the washing machine, right? But these are the types of things that's like communication. Like, are they following what you say? And then once you hire the nanny and things are hunky-dory, I would for sure, and I'm saying this both as a mom, but as like someone who's obsessed with sleep. I think it's really important that you have a way to track what's going on during the day because your baby is going to wake up at night randomly. Like stuff is going to happen and you want to be able to know what's going on during the day. So in our house, we have a whiteboard. It's a very simple whiteboard. And all I have her put on there is the times. And I don't have her do this anymore for Delaney because she's only on one nap now and I work from home. So I kind of know what's going on. But when when she was on two naps um, for the brief period that she was with our nanny, I had her write down when she went down for her naps. I had her, I still have her write down if anybody poops and what they ate for lunch. That's all. And it's simply so I can see, you know, if nobody poops when I'm around. And then I look at the, her, her whiteboard and I'm like, they haven't pooped today either. That's kind of weird, right? It's just good for me to know. And for food, it's also just to make sure I don't replicate things. If they had carrot sticks at lunch, I won't give them carrot sticks with dinner, et cetera. Okay, this is turning into a really long episode. I'm sorry, guys. So let's talk about salary now very quickly. Um, 
no surprise, California dwarfs everyone, FML. San Francisco, and I will also say this is with the assumption that it's about one child. Um, Some people specifically noted this was for two children, but I think this is still the relevant range to have in your head. San Francisco, you're looking at $30 to $40 an hour. Yikes. Um, LA, you're looking at about $25 to $35 an hour. Then we have a, a, a bigger drop here. So Boston, Marin County, California, Marin County, California, Napa County, California. So we're looking like above San Francisco, those two, those two counties above San Francisco, as well as Boston. We're looking at about 25 to 30 an hour. Then New York City, Connecticut, Westchester, Washington, D.C., New Jersey. Almost everyone in these markets was telling me about 25 an hour. And then we, uh, on the low end, and then there were some other markets too. London was pretty similar. Um, Dallas was, was a little bit less. And then at the kind of the bottom area here, um, we're looking at Houston, Austin, Detroit. It's as low as $17 to $24 an hour. So it's a pretty big range, right? Depending where you live in the country, it could be $17 an hour or $40 an hour for one child. Um, so you know what? Uh, don't move to California. <laughs> I say this as I sit in California. Yeah, good times. Um, okay, our one question for nannies. Merit asked, how to best find someone who aligns with what I want, such as using a schedule? Well, Merit, I hope that listening to this whole thing answered that question for you. It is all about communication. To be clear is to be kind. If a schedule is important to you, you have to be very clear about that and watch their body language and their answer when you say, are you willing to follow a schedule? Are you willing to let my baby cry a little bit if we are teaching them to sleep during their naps and connect their sleep cycles, that type of thing? All that good stuff. Okay. Well, for those of you who made it all the way to the end of this episode, thank you. Guys, don't forget, one week from today is my next sip and sleep, surviving pre-toddler purgatory. If you have a 12 to 18 month old or you have a younger baby and you're approaching that age at some point in the next few months and you've heard the horror stories about the 12 month growth spurt, you've heard about the horror stories about dropping from two to one naps, about separation anxiety, about all the milestones, baby is standing in the crib and falling asleep standing up, they're suddenly refusing to take their nap, all of those things, we are going to get into it. This is a one hour live webinar with me. I call it Sip and Sleep because it's happy hour. We're going to party. If you can't attend live next Wednesday, the recording will be available to everyone who signs up. You can watch it as many times as you want. Another reason why this is very valuable if you are still a couple of months away from the pre-toddler age because you can pop it up in two or three months and watch it again. Um, It's $39. Couldn't be cheaper. And the link to purchase is in my Instagram bio. I will also drop it in the show notes here. And I hope to see many of you there. So until next week, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.